uh, this morning's message, Spirit Poured Out in the Last Days. And Spirit Poured Out in the Last Days. Coming from the book of Isaiah, the 44th chapter, the 3rd through the 5th verse. And it says, For I will pour out pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thine seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as the gra- among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of the Lord, of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Here we're looking at what Peter, on the day of Pentecost, stood and preached to the people gathered there that said that the men were drunken with new wine, that God had prophesied in the last days and in the time of the prophets about what he would do in his la- in the latter days. And in the book of Isaiah, as the prophet was speaking about what God would do, the people about to go into captivity in Babylon, maybe a 75 to 100 years later, but he was giving them hope. God always gives his people hope right before the darkness. The darkness was about to come. They will be carried away in the captivity in Babylon. And he had told them that to go and that he would bring them back, that there would be a restoration of the people. He also gave their children hope and said that he would pour out of his spirit and that the land would flourish. It would come up. Trees of righteousness would be planted. And we read those scriptures here today. We read those scriptures now. It is life like coming into a desert, you know, where it's dry and it's arid and hot and all that. But then when the Spirit pours over it, it has an example of, he says, like water. He's pouring out water, refreshing water, just pouring down. And it, what it does, it nourishes, it revitalizes the soil. It, it, he said it's going to cause grass to grow, the willow tree, the cedar tree. Uh, we look at the news this week of the hurricane hitting Florida. And we see floods of torrential rain and wind blowing through the cities and all of the city streets and all of the structures being overwhelmed. We see that water and we think about how God's Spirit poured out. That Spirit being poured out. Anything that's not stable, the foundation shall be shaken. But that which is in the Lord, that which is grounded and rooted as Him, the weather can't do anything. The rains have come and it won't wash those things away that's built up on the rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what he's talking about to them. That they should withhold, they should hold their righteousness. They should teach it to their children. As David taught it to his children and the generations of Abraham taught his children. That's why he chose Abraham to say, because I know he'll teach his children to do right. See, we must be in this day and time teaching our children and teaching others. His word must be going out. The first point is saturation here. First point is saturation. 
as we speak God's Word, we carry forth the Gospel, His Word, we're laying the foundation for what they should be doing. We carry that Word out. You read First Timothy, one of a chapter in Timothy about Paul passing the baton on the Timothy, and he said he charged Timothy the passing on to faithful men. We must charge our generation with this gospel, the pass it on, the pass on the word of God. We must stand, or we must be writing the word of God to be able to pass it on to others. That's why our prayers, what he's hearing is, is our prayers, because that's what David was. David was a man after God's own heart. His son wasn't anything like him. And we see the torrential floods that were poured out upon Solomon. A lot of it Solomon couldn't contain. Solomon was worldly. You know, Solomon lost the 12 tribes. He only kept two of the tribes because of David's sake. God said, I'm doing this not for your sake, Solomon, but for my servant David's sake. See, we, we, we pass on a name. We pass on the name of the Lord. That's why it said that they would identify, they would speak of the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham and Isaac. See, a lot of our children are not speaking of God's name. But when the storms and troubles and tribulation come in their line, it's like, you know, chastisement and punishment. When this tribulation and hardship they will get back where they belong. God's going to beat them back to the house. You know, sometimes you take them and beat them till they say uncle. You know, trial and tribulations are going to put them back where they belong. Yes. And, and that's what's going to root them in the Lord. They're going to identify with God. But, you know, for, for a thing, our people, our children are not calling on the Lord's name. Maybe it's because we're not calling on the Lord's name. They have to see us identifying with God. They have to see us going to church. They have to see righteousness in us. They, they have to see these things. We have to be example just like Jesus Christ was the example for us. He came and he was the pattern. He set that pattern so we have to be rooted and grounded. Now, by him pouring out his spirit, this wasn't something that was asked for. This is something that he chose to do. See, he had chosen us. We hadn't chosen him. If we're not careful today, we'll hear some preachers and people talk about just accept Christ and all of these things, not knowing he had chosen us from the foundations of the world. And that we were lost. And that's what Babylon, when they went into Babylon, he didn't want his people to be comfortable in Babylon. A lot of them got comfortable there and they didn't return from Babylon. When it was time to go back, Cyrus almost had to force some of them to go back. You know, our children get in the world and a lot of us get tied up with worldly things, with the amusement and the things of the world and we love the world. You know, gambling and all of these taking chances, you could just do it right on your phone in the privacy of just sitting there, nobody knowing you're online gambling and doing things that you should, really shouldn't be doing. You could get fornication, porn, pornography. You can sexing, texting, and all of that from right there to the privacy of your phone. 
the privacy of your home. You don't have to go out and do like you used to do. You can get tied up with the world and the things of the world. And see, the thing about it, when God's pouring out prosperity, notice that the church in Laodicea, God had poured out prosperity upon them. They didn't have need of anything. They say they're rich and didn't have any need of anything. That's the problem. That, that could be a problem now. If, if you're wealthy and if you're prospering and you got your anchor set in the world and the things of the world, you don't need God really, do you? They didn't need God. They were lukewarm. They were only saying God's name. And that's what we have today. A lot of people saying God's name, but not actually calling upon God and looking to God. God's looking for the dry ground, the ones that's parched, the ones that, according to our reading scripture, the ones that's hungering and thirsting after righteousness, for righteousness' sake, not for this and not that, but for the sake of righteousness, establishing as they pray for that thy kingdom would come. That God's kingdom would come. It says, blessed, nourished. We pray that thy kingdom come. It says, blessed, that is, joyful, nourished by God's goodness, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But see, we have a lot of people with this Christian, this national Christianity and all of this that's establishing another Jesus, another Christianity that's not hungering and thirst for righteousness, but is built up on self-righteous pride, vanity, power grabs, covetousness, and self-ambition, built up on all of the wrong things. They're not hungering and thirsting after God and not hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake that God's kingdom be established. He said, those who actively seek for right standing with God. He says, for they will be completely satisfied. These others, they're like the Laodicean Christians. They're poor, wretched, and naked. And as that spirit poured out, it just goes on out and spreads throughout the world. Nothing to contain it. Those earthen vessels, their fallow ground hadn't been cultivated. They're not prepared for receiving of God's word. See, God is coming back for a prepared people. Heaven is a prepared place and it's for a prepared people. A people that's really looking for God. A people that in the book of Proverbs it says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make my words known unto you. What what about his word? In other words, we have to assimilate the whole role, the whole word of God. Everything that's contained in the word of God, that's what's gonna cause the deserts to be fruitful. That's what's gonna be called bring in the kingdom, thy kingdom come, with all of the things that it will affect and have on. The amplified version reads, he says, You will turn and pay attention to my rebuke. Behold, I wisdom will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make my words known unto you. You see, because we're not dealing in godly wisdom, we're dealing in worldly wisdom now. And see, we have to be able to distinguish between the two. What is of the world and what is not. Because without that, we can profane that which God says is holy. 
It's a sexual revolution going on out there. Sexuality is running rampant. Lasciviousness is going out. And it came in. They didn't brought that Trojan horse into the church. There are no standards no more. Where are all the standards bearers? Who's standing in the breach? Are we having more marriages and weddings? Are we having more divorces and more casual sex? More things of the world? You see, they're not being having this thing passed on. God's Word is not being passed on. That charge that God had gave to Timothy, that Paul told Timothy, he says, Preach the word. Preach it when they want to hear and when they don't want to hear. God says they will not turn at my reproof or my rebuke. You see, when you tell, it's a turning away from the world. It's a coming out of the world and the things of the world. See, because you have to get the word. A lot of people don't like to live in the country. I lived in the country for a long time. I didn't get kind of used to this city living. But see, in the country, you used to have to dig and work in the soil. You had to get up early and feed the chickens. You know, we had fields, rows of peas and corns and string beans and things. But you know, we couldn't just let it sit there because a, a deluge, a flood, or a hard rain would come. That water would just roll off into the comet or roll off into the creek or somewhere. It would roll on away. We had to get out there. If you didn't have a horse or a plow or something to harrow the ground, you know, break up the ground and break up around those rows, you had to hold those rows. Uh, you know, that's why the old saying, each man has to hold his own rope. You have to break it up. You have to get out there and pull all the weeds and all of the stuff out there because one thing about weeds and things that's not right, that stuff grow faster than the good stuff. You know, it, it doesn't take much for weeds to overcome a garden. If you leave a house or leave anything, you'll notice that weeds and all this grows up and you have to get out and work. That's why he put Adam here to tend the garden of Eden. You could just leave the garden set and they gave Adam a job to tend the Garden of Eden. We have to tend our lives. We have to tend to it. It requires being on our knees praying to God. It takes hours of prayer. It takes time of prayer. He says consistently pray. Praying without ceasing. We always have to be in communication and talking to God. We'll end up self-centered with our ideas and our words. God likes for us to pray his words back to him. It says ask. That's what he wants us to do in the position of asking him. You know, it's like little children. He wants us to become his little children. You know, little children always ask, you daddy, 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 mama, mama. They're always asking. And Jesus said we have not because we ask not. We have to know what to ask for. We, We can't be asking for the wrong thing. Because God's word do say the reason he's not giving it to you want to consume it up on your own lust. See, prayer is hard work and a lot of people don't like to pray. They don't like prayer service. They don't like getting up early in the morning and communicating with God for God to section off their day, for God to 
be with them and not leave them during the day. That God's Spirit would guide them and lead them. That's waking up early. Now prayer is digging up some fallow ground. That's how you get the rocks and things about the soil. Hosea 10.12 says, So with a view to righteousness, that righteousness like seed may germinate. You know, you have to ask him to move those wicked people, those wicked governors, those wicked presidents, councilmen, pastors, and the, the wicked, the evildoers around you, you take them to the Lord in prayer. It says pray for your enemies, huh? Yes. We have to tell God what we think, and we can't take that out there. We have to talk to God about this. It's gossiping and tale-bearing. We tell other people, but we can tell God. God wants to hear it. That's why he says, tell him all your problems. Tell him about it. He says that that word would germinate. If we sow God's word, because something about sowing, he says, what a man soweth, that he shall reap. You go around talking about people. Don't be surprised that people talk about you. When you go around gossiping and speaking evil of other people, you know, you normally reap more than you sow. When you sow a seed, usually you get a, a good bit of seed back. So when those chickens start to come home to roost, they're going to start coming from all different directions. But if you sown righteousness, that's why Jesus went around doing good. That's why he tells us don't grow weary of well-doing. You continually do, do well when Men despitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil. You continue to pray for. You continue to talk to God. See, but we don't even know how to pray or what to pray for. That's why the Spirit has to make intercessions with our spirit that it would know what to pray for. We'll be asking the wrong thing. We'll be asking God to bless our enemies. You see, when we pray for our enemies, we have to tell God, Look at the prayers of imprecations that David prayed for his enemies, about his enemies, to God. A lot of people say we shouldn't pray prayers of imprecations. Those are curses and things that you're calling down upon people. You better be careful. Somebody may be calling a curse down upon you. He says, look, wait till I go tell my daddy about it. You didn't did me this. I'm going to tell my daddy on you. See, a lot of times you tell your children not to fight or whatever. You, you, you Come tell your daddy about it. You, he says, vengeance is mine. I'll pay him back. God knows how to pay your enemy back. He knows how to do those that's not doing right. God knows. You tell God all about it. That's breaking up your fallow ground, digger. You hungered and thirsting that his righteousness be done right. Lord, they're repaying me evil for good. I've done good to them. All they do is do evil to me. He says, reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness. You remember I told you about sowing and reaping? You know, if you go around being merciful, if you go around showing mercy, if you go around with loving tender kindness, the way you answer people, you know, some people are just short with everybody. They always got little small alley quips. Or you say something, they're murmuring and complaining and muttering about it. God's going to multiply that back to you because that's not children of God. 
God doesn't want that germany. You have to get all of that out of your garden. You have to say, God, is there anything in me that shouldn't be? You take it out. It hurts coming out if it's rooted in. If bitterness is rooted and then grab root in there, a root of bitterness in there, man, you have to really work on that thing. See, sometimes we, we, it's the company we keep to get that stuff rooted into our lives. It'll cause cancer, canker worm, all that hatred. It'll bring about depression. It'll be stressful because when nobody come around to help you or talk to you, it'll be times of loneliness and you wonder why people don't like to be around you. Well, that's just the way I talk. Well, people don't want to be around you talking like that, insulting them, all combative and wanting to, you know. So, you know, we such a competitive people. We're such a combative, argumental people. And God tells his children that a servant of God shouldn't strive. I don't want to be around you always arguing and fighting with you. Watching an episode of Murder, she wrote last night. My wife woke up, I was laughing. It was this rich man. He faked his death and went off. And he was living at a circus or whatever. And Jessica was his sister-in-law. And she said, well, Frank, what, her husband's brother said, well, why didn't you just divorce? He said, I didn't feel like fighting and arguing with her. He said, it was your money or whatever. He said, but I was just happier doing what I, let her have it. Don't even let her know I'm alive. You know, that it lines up with Solomon. Solomon says it's better than living with a crabby, a nabby, a nagging woman or whatever to dwell in the corner of the rooftop of a house. You don't want to hear somebody always nagging and grumbling and complaining, and that's one of the characteristics of this generation. He says, are "Unthankful." You ever heard? You ever do things for some people and they're unthankful or ungrateful? You see, that's not loving kindness. We have to live, learn to deal with loving kindness. If we do that that way, that's what comes back to us. If you always trying to help and do right for, from the heart. Remember he says from the heart because a lot of people do things just for show. <laughs> a lot of people show a false piety. They like to look good for other people so they can go back and brag on what they're doing or whatever. He says break up your uncultivated ground. Uncultivated ground. You see, that's one thing people do say well you live you in a cult you worship on the sabbath or whatever well that's not a cult a cult is sunday worship a cult is the religion we have today occult this is a occult not a cult a cult covers up occult uncovers we uncovering the truth here okay we want to uncover he says uncultivated ground, that which is not broken up. We need to get down to the root of the problem. You know, people don't want you to get to the root of the problem. You go to the dentist, your tooth hurting or whatever, you want him to give you some pain medicine or this and that, that. you want him to get you to feeling good, but he said, no, I got to do a root canal. He got to bring out the drill and everything to get to the root of the problem, to get to what's really the problem. That's why I say we don't want roots of bitterness to grow in there because some people you're sitting out there, some people that don't know landscaping work, they go out there and snatch the top off them weeds or whatever. A few 
days of week that stuff grow fast, it's right back, but it's stronger. That's like shaving. When you take off that beard, it gets tougher. Well, it's going to be harder and harder to pull those things out because they're rooted in there. That's when Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, comes in. He says, I'm, if you keep doing that, I'm going to have to come in and lay the axe to the root of the tree. You, you come in and chew it down at the roots. He'd been sending his word to cut it out of there, but you wouldn't let it come out of that. Now you got to lay the axe to the root of the tree. Any tree that his father hadn't been planting, the axe is laid to the root of that tree. So you better let this thing, God's word, work on you. You better dig up your fallow ground. You better go to the word and be washed by the washing of the word of God. That's what washes you. That's what sanctifies us. I'll talk about that in a minute. His word what washes us, but a lot of a lot of us reject God's word. You see what and know what the words say, but you won't do it. Does he say? He says they know what it says, but they not a doer of that word. Supposed to be forgiving and you don't forgive. Supposed to be loving and you're unloving. He says, For it is time to seek and search diligently for the Lord and to long for his blessing. Until he comes to reign righteousness and the gift of salvation upon you. Notice that they receive of the Spirit, just like God came, Jesus came and worked miracles, he says, but it shall be worse for them than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah, because they didn't repent. He says, the men of dinner repented at the preaching of Jonah. Remember I said, you should turn. When God starts blessing you, it's some people that get worse. It's nothing like an uppity wealthy person. It's nothing like someone that has something that looks down on others. Talks down, lives down. I'm somebody now that I'm a Christian, I'm much more than you. You got politicians and church people that think they're better than other people. Just because you've got something, you think you're more than I am. You think that's what makes you somebody, but God's looking at the inner man, all that hatred, all that vileness. He said, but you're naked, wretched, and miserable. You should ask for me for oil so that you can see. You can't even see what you are or who you are. He says, outside so that you can hear. You want, you, you want to be able to hear God's word and put eyesight on so you can see. He says, oh, you are my God. That's what happened. They identify with God's. God's people has to start identifying. But as righteousness is rained, rained down, if you hungering and thirsting for that, it's like, Paul was. It's like I am. It's like David. You ready to leave this world because there's so many backbiters. Everybody around you is not the right way. You want to come out of this world. Aren't you tired of this world? Aren't you tired of this dry, arid place? Don't you just want to go home? But that's going to be here on earth. We just have to labor down here. And so we hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness that His will be done here on earth. As it is in heaven. As that that he promised and we hear about, we want it done right here on earth. My second point is, he says, rain down righteousness and a gift of salvation. Salvation is a gift. The second point is salvation. As we grow weary of this present world, 
as David was. He was anointed king of Israel, but he was on the run. Saul was trying to kill him all the time. It was If it wasn't one thing, it was another. That's like here and here. We get one problem solved, here come another. Something's always happening. You want an inner peace. God gives us an inner peace, an inner joy. So all of the problems and the calamities and the earthquakes and the destruction in the world, he says, see that you be not moved. We don't want that to get into our mind and our spirit man to where it causes us not to be able to sleep at night. We, you see, I dreamed dream last night. I had a dream last night. And I'm asking God to interpret that to show me because it was about the church. It was about a lot of church people or something. And he says he's going to reign righteousness. He's going to cause fruitfulness. And I wondered, was it going to be anything to do with this? Because I've had people say about the church growing, about how large it is. And that's what God's talking about here. Church, church growth. You were talking about a 61-year-old man lifting that thing up or whatever, and they say 90 is the new 40. So we're looking for exponential church growth here in this latter days. We're looking for the rebuilding of the ruins of the tabernacles of David. We're looking for the coming in of our sons and daughters. We're looking for God's Spirit to be poured out abundantly. Better times are coming. But David saw some hard times in the wilderness of Judea. When he was running from Saul, that's why he went to Philistine territory because he said, you know, one of these days Saul's going to kill me. Mm. So he said, one of these days. Don't you feel like the world is almost overwhelming you? Mm. See, that's what you're thirsting. You're in a dry, arid ground. You're, and that's what David was. He was on the backside of the desert. He was in the all over the mountains and he went in the cave and Saul pursued him in the cave. Listen at what David prayed, Psalm 63, 1-11. This is David's prayer. He says, Oh God, you are my God. With deepest longings I will seek you. My soul, that is my life, my very self, thirsts for you. My flesh longs and sighs for you in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. He wasn't meaning no drinking water, but he meant a reservoir that you're planning for a refreshing coolness of his spirit, something that sets you at peace, to set you at ease to where you can sleep, lay down and sleep, to where you wasn't worried about your well-being, to the people that you were leading or whatever, that, and that God would come in and calm the raging waters around He says, so I have gazed upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. That's the word loving kindness. And see, that's what God is known for. That's what we hungered and thirsted for, looking after his loving kindness. But we have to show it down here. And that's what Jesus did. He showed loving kindness and tenderness down here. See, trouble and tribulation comes first. We sometimes are showing that we're children of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a weary walk. It's a hard work. But those that wait upon the Lord. Amen. We wait until that come, now, deacon. Yes. He says, my lips shall praise you. You so I will bless you as long as I live. Right. 
I will lift up my hands in your name. And she's back in Psalm 44. That's what he says that the children would identify. He says, he says, uh, and verse three, it says, for I'll pour water upon them that is thirsty and I will pour spirit up my spirit upon thy seed and upon thy blessings. He says, and they shall spring up among the grass as willows of water. He says, verse 5 says, one shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself for the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hands unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. Now I can identify, I'm going to tattoo your name up on me. I'm going to stand up and show everybody whose I am. Because they had been waiting on God to show himself. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to pour himself out abundantly upon those that are hungry. But see, those that are self-centered, he that is unrighteous, he says, let him remain unrighteous. That's all the way in the book of Revelations in the last chapter. He that is unjust, let him remain unjust. Will not always strive with men. That's what he said when he destroyed the first world, isn't it? Yes. With this last world that he's bringing fire, Revelations 22. That's the very last chapter. He says, verse 11, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. You didn't want God's word to wash you. You're rejected. Just as Jesus started to talk to people in parables, he said, why do you talk to them in parables? Because I've been talking and you hadn't been listening. You hadn't turned when I reproved you and tried to chasten you. So you had that is filthy and unclean and hadn't been washed. Let him still be filthy. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his word and shall be. You're unjust, you're unjust. I'm tired of fighting with you. You Sometimes, like I say, don't you tell your children, I'm tired of fighting with you. Spouse get tired of fighting with the other spouse. You stop talking to people when they're not listening. You're just wasting your breath. Why should I continue to talk and you're not listening? I will lift up my hands in the name of of my Lord. My soul, my life, my very self is satisfied with Marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praise with my joyful lips. David continues to say, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate and thoughtfully focused on you in the night watches, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, where I always will be protected and sing for joy. So I say, Are you meditating upon your bed on God and the things of God? The wicked, God is not in all of their thoughts. They're thinking how to pay somebody back, how to get even, how to get that quip off. Yes. But we're meditating upon God. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about him. He says, my soul clings to your, clings to you. Your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy me, it will go into the depths of the earth, into the underworld. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will be prey for the foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Yes. Those that seek my life, you'll take care of them, God. You have set me apart. Those that, you know, sometimes we don't know whether our spouse is really for us. Mm. We don't know if our children are really for us. Yes. 
We don't know if our friends and neighbors and employers and employees, we don't know if the people are really for us. But you know, what it matters is that God is for us. And the whole world could be against us. And we're going to treat everybody as if they were for us because God says, love all men. We the love is God. He said, reigns on the just and the unjust. We're not going to treat you any differently. You despitefully use me or whatever. I might not stay in your company or whatever, but I'm not going to ray up and run the evil for evil. I'm not going to fight fire with fire. I'm not going to let you lower me down to your level. You know, I'm like Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. When they go high, we go low. We go, we're doing the opposite of what they do. We're not going to get out there and curse and fight and get in the ditch water. Jesse Jackson said, you can't get, you, you got to stay in the ditch with a man to hold him in the ditch. To get out of the ditch, you can't hold him. You have to get out of the ditch. For, for, you see what I'm saying? Yes. I, I, I don't remember the whole saying, but he says, the only way you hold a man in the ditch, you have to stay in that ditch with him. You know, crabs in a barrel pull one another down. We have to get out of there. We, we, we can't lower ourselves down there. We have to be above. You remember, I told you once before, we have to stay above the fray. Yeah. Come out of the world. Be, be not entangled in the world or the things of the world and love not the world. We have to be different. We have to be what? Set apart. Consecrated unto God. That's my third point. Sanctification. God's word sets us apart. Amen. Come out from among them and be ye separate. And I'll be your God. You'll be my sons and daughters. Amen. Ruth had, had to leave Moab. Yes. She had to leave her people behind. Yes. She had to leave all of that. And she said, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. We got a God that's from the beginning until the end. He's an alpha and omega. He's he's our rock. We have to abide in the shadow of the almighty. We have to run to that refuge, that fortress. We have to be in him. We have to be in his word. He who abides in my word, who abides in me, abide in that vine. That's the only way you go bring forth fruit, to bring forth much fruit. He's going to purge it. It's going to be tribulation. It's going to be hard times. But he's right there in the fire with us. He's like with Shadrach and Meshach. He's right there in the fire. Can we see him in the fire with us? See, because when he starts to pour out, before that blessing comes, because that's going to be a great blessing in this end time. That, see, that gives us hope. There's promises throughout his word that gives us so much hope. Don't you like to laugh and have enjoyment and feel good? And that's what God's Word does. It gives us that, that, that's, it's different from that joy that He gives because can't nobody take that joy. You know, sometimes people be mad at you and saying all kinds of things. You just look at them and smile. You look at them and laugh. That's a joy man can't take away from you. Now, he's going to try to take that because if you don't look disturbed and everything, he's going to want to fight then or whatever because... I knocked that smirk off your face or whatever. See, God gives us peace and joy. Man can't take it away. That's by obeying his word. 
Obeying his word sets us apart from the world. Keeping us in God, we're abiding in him. Do it. You are my disciples if you continue in my word. Yes. You see, that's why it goes all the way back there when I said for the water to permeate the ground, for it to saturate the ground, for it to sink in, it has to be cultivated. That fallow ground has to be uncultivated. Un- Un, un, unconvert. In other words, it has to be clotted. You have to dig it up. You have to dig up the fallow ground. You can't let it be packed and that water just go run on off in the ditch somewhere. You remember the soil? The four different types of soil? And then tribulation and trouble caused some of it to wither. Some of it that fell by the wayside, it was washed away. It has to be good soil. It has to be soil that will germinate the Word of God because we're washed by the Word of God. The washing of the Word of God. In other words, we have to assimilate the Word of God. What I'm, I'm trying to think now, you know, because they say meditate on His Word day and night. Yeah. If we go back to John, it says the Word was God. But... It also says the Word was with God. Now, if the Word was with Him and it was Him, doesn't we ha- we have to do that? It's just like that's why Job says it's necessary food. We have to assimilate the Word. That's what has to permeate our being, a new way of thinking, our thought life. We have to say God's Word, become the Word. Jesus, the Word became Jesus Christ. The Word was with God, but the Word was God. See, as long as the Word, if we abide in the Word and the Word is in us, that's where the fruitfulness comes in. That's where the sap is flowing through the vine. That's where it's flowing. That's where the life is because if we get out of the vine, men go take us and cast us off and throw us in the fire. We have to abide in the Word. Stay in the Word. Don't let nobody get you out of God's Word. A lot of people try to get you out of the Word of God. There's no safety away from the Word of God. For the cause of me walking in the way, he says, of the offspring. Now remember I said David stayed with God. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man that showed characteristics that he was saying that the bones that were broken, that was during that year's time when he had went to Bathsheba and he wasn't right with God and God had to send Nathan to tell his son so he could get back right. He had to tell his son he had did something wrong. And David says he repent, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. See, a lot of us in the church, but we don't have any joy. Something that stole our joy You have salvation, but you have no peace and joy. That's because you hadn't been communicating with God. That's why it became dry for David. He says, the bones that you have broken, it's been broken. You steady communicating with God? Listen to what he says about his offspring. Remember I said, we have to be right. You know, my sons and daughters and things, I like to let them see when I do something wrong. When I'm wrong in something, that I, I'm just like everybody else. I'm depending upon God. 
But if you ain't never wrong, if you show them that you're always right and there's nothing going wrong, you don't have struggles in life, you're showing them a false precept. And when they do something wrong, they might not go back and apologize for it. They might not go back and say, well, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. We all make mistakes. We all fall. But the thing is, is getting up. Man, I said something to you I might not should have said. See, because we're a man. And that's why he says if we confess our faults one to another. And he says, 1 Kings 11, chapter 36 through to 37 verse. He says, unto his son, he's talking about David and Solomon. Unto his son I will give one tribe that David, my servant, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desire, and shall be king over Israel. The reason he reigned upon Solomon is because of his daddy. You know, the reason God's pouring out the water upon the children is the prayers of the parents. That's why I say, do you, don't stop praying for your children. Don't stop living for God and not pray for your children. Pray for your children that God would save. He says with Solomon, he was going to deal differently with Solomon than he did with Saul. He took the kingdom away from Saul. Saul ended up committing suicide. But with Solomon, he says he was going to chase him with the sword of man. He was going to chase him with rods. God chastens and punishes his children. You know, sometimes God will take you out of this life. You know, because you're not following the commandments. He says, honor thy parents that your days shall be long. Well, Solomon didn't live a very long life. Solomon's servants stirred up controversy against him. Solomon's wives pulled his heart away from God. God said because I had warned him twice in a dream that these women would pull his heart away from me. That's why Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is about life under the sun and all his vanity and vexation of spirit. See, you could be prosperous, the most wealthiest man that ever lived, the most wisest man that ever lived, lost God. He got away from God, and God took those ten tribes away from him. And that's an old saying, prosperity will destroy a fool. He tells us about quick riches and getting wealthy. You heal the story of many a people, many a people, go online and read it, that have won the lottery and won just quick wealth, and it destroyed them. This guy, Whitaker, that won all that money, he said, him and his wife said, his life was much better before he won the lottery. You get relatives with people coming out of woodwork because he that loveth silver will be satisfied with silver. It's going to drive your life and motivate your life. So we have to be careful because God's going to pour out his spirit and see, with the prosperity gospel and these people that's talking money for money, the Beatles told you about money. It says, money can't buy me love. You remember that song the Beatles said, money can't buy me love. There are many a wealthy people. This lady that was married to Jeff Bezos, she's divorced her second husband. After she left Jeff Bezos, 
and married this other guy. Now she's divorcing him. She's the wealthiest woman in the world. She give away billions to charity, but she don't have a happy marriage. You can have a house and not have a home. Can you sit out on your front porch and look at your children running play in your backyard and barbecue and enjoy life? Or are you worried about the next thing, or worried about shooting in the neighborhood and worried and vexing? We didn't lost the meaning of life as I closed this. As I closed, because on the day of Pentecost, when Peter came out and preached, and he says, in the book of Acts, the second chapter, he says, in the last days, this is what Joel, he spoke of in the days, in the last days, he spoke of by the prophet Joel, that God says that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will pour out on those days out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will bring about wonders in the sky and above, and signs and miracles. But see, it could be turned to darkness with us. As I said, prosperity could destroy our food. You see, but this is just wonder dressing for those that love God. This is a way to compliment God and praise God as He pours out this Spirit and you turn it to use for God, not of this world. But then we'll see universal prosperity. We'll see universal health care. We'll see those that we worry about that's sick, those that's homeless, those that's in pain and suffering. Because we'll give them God's Word. If they don't come to God's Word, during that millennial reign, it won't be Satan that's influencing them. It will be the flesh influencing them. You know, this is not a Flip Wilson deal. You can't say the devil made you do it. Paul showed that you still going to have to struggle with that flush while you're in the flush. That's why when he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Are you desiring money for covetousness sake, for pride and self-ambition? Or are you desiring money for the things that what it would do? You see, money is neutral. Yeah. People say money is evil. Money is not evil. Or God wouldn't bless you. But it's what you do to get the money. It's what you do with the money. He says, don't bring the hire of a dog into the house of God. You got that gambling and prostitution and drugs and all of these other things that bring, God doesn't want you to bring that into the treasure. Even the Pharisees knew that. The money that Judas got for betraying Judas, they said, we can't put this in the treasury of God. They threw it out and they had to buy the potter's fear for people that betrayed treacherous and everything that, that was, they were buried at in their own living hell. We can't build the house of God with that which comes in that way. We can't build... You know, you, everything's going to be tested in your life. Be careful how you build. Be careful what's motivating you because if God pour out of your spirit... You remember Simon in the book of Acts? That's where the Catholic Church and people get named for Simon. He wanted money and power for selfish reasons. And Peter said, you and your money perish with you. You tried to buy the Holy Ghost. 
And he says, you and your money will burn in hell. Because God's not for sale. The things of God is not for sale. God freely gives it to us. He graciously gives us to us. You, that, you can't sell indulgence and, and sell the things of God. Freely given, freely you should receive. Watch it. As He pour out His Spirit, be sure you didn't lay the foundation. Be sure your ground is cultivated. Be sure it doesn't lie uncultivated. Uncovered. We have to uncover that which is wrong. Everything that is false, the evildoers, the wickedness, we shouldn't fret ourselves. We should be laying the foundation in the Word of God with the Word of God. God strengthen us. God be with us. And as He pour out upon His Spirit, let us be with wisdom. If we need wisdom, let us ask of God. He liberally gives us that. We better be careful how we build them. Our work could be tried. As the Laodicean church in the book of Revelations, he said he was going to fight against that church because that church was away from God. They were lukewarm. He says, I wish you were hot or cold. I like a hot cup of coffee, but now they have cold coffee. You know, That's the biggest seller now, the cold coffees. The coffee houses that are opening up. But in the book of Revelations, it says, But thou sayest, I'm rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and be white raiment, that thou might be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesight, that thou mayest see. For as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be jealous, therefore, and repent. If you hear his voice, he's knocking at your heart's door. If you open up the door, he'll come in and sup with you. But if you hadn't cultivated your fallow ground that you can hear God's word, you're going to be hard-hearted like Pharaoh. And that linen, that fine linen that he clothes us with, is the washing of the word in God, washing in God's Word, that we'd be without a spot of blemish. We can't be a remodeled house. There are a lot of remodeled houses, but God gives us a new heart to build with. He comes in with a circumcision. He pours out His Spirit. God doesn't want that old heart of yours. He's going to give you a new heart. And with that new heart, as we build, one day, He's going to tear that old building down because the inside is built on love and in the Spirit of God. And I was talking this morning about that new building, that tabernacle. He's going to give us an incorruptible body, knees that don't ache and don't need replacement. He's going to give us immortal souls. He's going to give us a body that's a spiritual body. A body with no aches and pain that don't get old and decrepit. We look unto Jesus Christ. We walk in Jesus Christ. We yearn for Him. But He's going to freely give and pour it out. Heavenly Fathers, we come before You this day, Lord God. We look 